we want to do is take the chains off. All we want to do is break the chains off, man. All we want to do is be free. All we want to do is Welcome be back free. to the tea room with your lovely host, Palm Tea, Earl Grey, and Black Tea. In today's episode, we will be talking about a more serious topic. In the wake of current events, there have been a plethora of incidents that have highlighted racial tensions in our society. Now more than ever, the discussion has raised many concerns and has left many feeling hopeless for the future of our nation. Philando Castile, Freddie Gray, Jordan Davis, and Sandra Bland are names that have sparked a movement and have triggered discussions within our communities, our workplace, and our justice system. Today we will be discussing two topics prevalent to racial tensions currently highlighted in the media. With our panel of guests, we will be enlightening you listeners with views on racial disparities within the justice system, as well as the increasing rates of police brutality among minorities. On our panel, we have teachers, grad students, family of police, members within the justice system, and enthusiasts. Before we begin, we would like to inform you that on this episode, we will take on a different format. With three, with the three of us, Gray Tea, Earl Gray Tea, Black Tea, and Palm Tea, we will be reading a series of questions and directing it to our panel of members, in which a discussion will ensue. Earl Gray will start us off in our discussion. Okay, let's get down and dirty. We're going to start off by talking about race and police brutality. There has been recent national attention of police brutality among many African Americans, such as the killing of Terrence Crutcher, Keith Lamont Scott, and others. Do you feel like you are desensitized to police brutality because it happens so much? Has this become our new normal? Panelist number five. Um, I feel that with so many of the things that are going on, it could be to potentially desensitize us. Um, I feel that with it always being on the air, being in our social media, just being in our faces, it could be an effort in a way to just make us feel like this is an everyday occurrence rather than recognizing that yes, this is an everyday occurrence and it's a problem. Panelist number two. Okay, so I don't think it's a recent national Attention. I think this has been happening for decades, among decades, in which black men and black women have been brutalized by the police or even like mobbed. And I feel like just uh, even now, even though the uh, it's more of a social media outlet to see these things happen, but just like before they were happening, nothing really, nothing really changed. And now they're happening, and they keep happening because nothing's actually changed. So, um, yeah, it's more of a recent phenomenon, but I don't know if I want to say phenomenon, but it's been more of a recent issue, but um, it's all, not even a recent issue, but it's been happening for a long time. Panelist number six. Um, I don't think you can, like, this cannot come from that if you have to deal with on a constant basis. I don't think it's something that you can become desensitized to only because every new death might seem as if it's the same over and over again. But when it's something that's personal to you, I don't think it's something that you can become detached from. So for like example, the UN body just convened recently and they just stated that the deaths happen in the U U.S. right now is similar to the lynchings found in the 19th century. In the same, in, in terms of like the amounts that's happening. So it's not something that you can say that you can become desensitized to when it's that prevalent in society. It would be like saying you are becoming desensitized to things that are happening every single day of your life. Like I say,
one. Well, I think it's the the idea of the word that's uh, being desensitized is the fact that it's being on repeat often. Because when you actually think about all the types of social media that we have, do you think that it's the same thing? Like, I'm not going to say that none of these affect us and none of this makes you think what it is like our friends and family. But there's so many of these incidents, and each one of these incidents are actually being publicized on more than one types of social media. News, newspaper, Facebook, you know, even Insta. So is it the fact that we're just seeing it on repetition that it makes us just kind of like, it's our second time around, third time, fourth time around, seeing it again, that we're just like, it feels a little like old news, even though it is still important news. Have you ever considered maybe that might be a fact, that it's on repetition? that makes us feel like it's, you know, just we've seen it already. And that brings about that adjective. Brings up a good point, panelist number two, what would you say to that? I think it, it's just, it is repetitious, but it's a part of our culture, honestly. It's a part of the American culture, as far as, again, police brutality, brutalizing black men and women, and speaking of black men and women. And so it, it's because it's such it's so embedded, it is desensitized. This is not a new thing. This has been happening for a very long time, and nothing has been done about it because people accept it as a normal thing. People used to – I used to live in Florida, not to call out the town in Florida, but at, at 12 noon, this si small city had a history of looking for black people to lynch, right? That was their everyday. Okay, now, granted, we came far from that time. However, people are still being brutalized just because of their race. And like I said, it, it's become such a such embedded in our, our history that it, it does desensitize. It has desensitized us because this happens time and time and time again. Panelist number six.
And for the last person, our panelist number three. Uh, I definitely feel desensitized because I believe that relative to how we live now, the change that the black community is seeking for this is not happening fast enough. Not relative to what people want, but relative to how people live. So we're in the age where everybody likes to binge watch. Everybody likes instant messaging. Nobody likes to wait on emails anymore. If you don't email someone in a timely fashion, which is relative to text messaging, you're in trouble. These changes, the civil rights movement, the first one took years, took decades. We want this one to happen now. And I feel like with the amount of uh, deaths that have occurred, with the amount of murders that are occurring, it's just taking too long for us. And rather than see change, the people who don't want to advocate, a lot of the other communities, the people who don't feel like they can speak for black people, or the people who feel like they don't want to be leaders because they don't care enough, are just going to wait. They're going to wait for the change to happen. And if it doesn't happen, they're going to move on to the next thing that will progress. What ends up happening here is black people get left behind. Because if the rest of the communities don't feel like black people are changing enough fast, fast enough for themselves, why are we going to stand with you to help you change something that isn't going to change fast enough relative to how we're living the rest of our lives? Not that it's not worth it, because it definitely is, but it's just not happening fast enough for people who want everything now. We want to thank you for your input on that first topic. So we're going to move on to our second topic. Um, in a recent interview by a European journalist on ASAP Ralph, he was asked about his um, views on Black Lives Matter. And this sparked a huge controversy because um, in uh, various quotes, he gave different perspectives, which made him look ignorant to the issue of Black Lives Matter. He was quoted saying that, how come black lives only matter when a police officer takes a black life? It's always mattered, even when a black life takes a black life, takes another black life. And then he also was quoted saying that, I don't live in these places. I live in Soho. I live in Los Angeles. So these things don't affect me. So in that context, a lot of people were frustrated because being a young black man from Harlem, he should know what it feels like or he must have been a witness to some type of police brutality or an issue involving race. And in retrospect, there are other celebrities that have used their platform to speak about these things, even though they may not have been, you know, witness to these things personally, but we're still using their platform to advocate for Black Lives Matter. Like, for instance, Colin Kaepernick taking, you know, um, deciding not to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, or I mean the Star-Spangled Banner. He's taking a stand. He may not have been right there, front and center with police brutality, but he's taking a stand and he's using his platform to express his feelings and to show support for Black Lives Matter. So in that context, we want to ask, is it Black Lives Matter or is it All Lives Matter? And what is your perspective on that issue? So we're going to start from the side of the room with panelist number six. Um, I think that's, that's a, a tricky issue on this because when you look at the perspective, I don't, I honestly don't, don't look to celebrities for their take on these issues. I appreciate it when they do something, but I don't look for them to do it. One, because most of the time they're not even brought before me enough to say something that's productive. For instance, they asked Lil Wayne about the whole situation, and his response was, because he's rich, he's never had a bad experience with white people. When he went to, when he, he had an issue with his, in his home, I guess he shot himself or, or something of the sort. When the cops came, I guess they were looking around for evidence, and then a white cop came, and the white cop was the one that, that was like, what are you doing, and picked him up. And that was his testament as to how he basically white people have treated him. But when he came to New York and the gun issue happened, he was just on social media going off on how the cops treat him. So to me, when you look at the landscape of what celebrities do for the issue at hand, 
I don't think it's productive. I think it's helpful when they do do something, but I don't think that they should have the, they should be the end all be all. And most, pe- most people tend to make that mistake and look to them as the voice of reason when they really shouldn't be the voice of reason. All right, so even if you don't agree that celebrities are good role models on this issue, how do you feel in terms of Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter? Do you believe, do you feel as though one is greater than the other, or one should be given more focus than I the other? I think one is greater, greater than the other, but that's not the conversation that should should be had. Mm-hmm. The conversation that should be had is the issue at hand. Nobody has ever had an issue with everybody in America. So why does that conversation need to get had in the first place? If somebody came out and said. Everybody in America has an issue with the police. Then cool, we'll have the all lives matter debate. But if that has not been said, why is that even a topic of discussion where people feel the need to chime in with their unrequited know-how about what black people are going through when the conversation started because black people had a grievance with the government and the society of this brutality. So if that's the case, when black people are speaking, why do you feel the need to interject with something that's completely unrelated to your grievance? Okay, thank you. Um, we're going to move on to panelist number five. Um, I don't know if everyone has their ears and eyes closed, but as has the field black people are just turning a blind eye and being dismissive. It's not that black lives matter more than any other life, so it shouldn't be aversive. We already know that all lives matter. Every single human being that walks on this earth, that lives, that breathes, that whatever crawls on this earth, all of those lives matter. The reason why there's a Black Lives Matter movement is because there's a there's a disparity between minorities that are being brutalized by police officers versus everyone else, which is why it's Black Lives Matter, not Black Lives Matter more than yours or Black Lives Matter more than everyone else's. It's we understand that all lives matter, but hey, ours ours does too. That's what the discussion should be. I feel like all lives matter came about because people got tired of hearing how much black lives matter, that the dismissal is, well, you know what? All lives matter. You know, white people get shot by cops. Hispanic people get shot by cops. Yes, this is fact, but there's a higher disparity of those races that get brutalized and murdered by these cops. Um, in terms of what ASAP Rocky said, okay, you, you don't want to be involved with what's going on because your home is Soho, your home is Hollywood. Okay, well, Eric Garner was murdered in New York. Where he was isn't that far from Soho. So are you saying that you don't care about that? Hollywood. Well, that's where the Watts riot happened. That's where Rodney King was was brutally attacked. So if you were your current age now during the time that all that was happening, would that still not be an issue that you want to focus on? Or is it because you don't want to face it, you don't want to deal with it, and you don't want to hurt your own career by speaking up of what's going on? You just want to be the cool kid, the cool rapper that dresses up and raps about smoking weed all day and maintain your image and your record sales because you know that the minute you have your voice, it's going to be used against you. Everyone loves Beyonce. I personally don't love Beyonce, but everyone loves Beyonce. The moment she did formation and was speaking out against what was happening, everyone got pissed off. Some of these celebrities are realizing that they have things to lose once they start delving into the all lives matter, black lives matter situations. And rather than addressing it, they want to turn the blind eye and skew what I deem, what I personally deem as a bully. Thank you. For our last panelist, we're going to have panelist number three speak on this topic. I think it's perfectly all right for ASAP Rocky and for anybody else to say that they don't want to speak on behalf of their race or their culture or their ethnicity. If he feels like he only wants to represent himself, that's something he should be entitled to and it's something that is a part of white privilege. A white person only has to represent themselves. 
most minorities, the minute you do something, you represent your entire people. And I think that that's a frustration that ASAP Rocky's trying to say is that he shouldn't have to lose sales because he's speaking and defending his people. That's a problem. Beyonce should not have to lose sales because she's speaking out on something wrong. Colin Kaepernick should not have to get uh, attacked because he believes something, you know? And I think that the Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter movement uh, is at conflict with All Lives Matter is because it is standing up for something in a society where we are becoming more passive about how we address social issues. The N-word was said readily in radio times during the civil rights movement because they were addressing it. Only recently, after uh, the movie came out, The Help, did they start to use the N-word on public TV because they realized how important it was to address it, that it wasn't just some mystic word. It was a real thing that was really used against black people to dehumanize them. And I think that with Black Lives Matter, because it stands so strong for something, it's intimidating. Because people are speaking up, it's intimidating. And if you're uneducated on the subject, if you can't handle criticism, and if you are afraid of losing something, you're not going to speak up. And our generation doesn't like to talk and be accountable to stuff. I mean, we're here, we're a panel, and some of us are afraid of outing our own voices here for fear of losing a job for something we believe in. We're called panelists, where we use pseudonyms because we don't want to be held accountable. And to tack on to what panelist number six said about celebrities, I do think it's important that they, if they do have that platform, that they are faces because sex sells. If Beyonce, a very beautiful and educated woman, believes something is wrong and speaks up, they're going to listen to her over uh, Philando Castile's family because we don't know what they look like. They have no bearing. It's just another person talking in the wind. If you have a face like Dr. Martin Luther King, if you have a face, if you have a, a credibility, you have power. And people are afraid to use that power because they don't want to lose it. And people without power are afraid to use what little power they have because they're afraid of stronger powers taking them over. We want to thank you for all of the input that was put into this um, special topic. So I'm going to gear towards another question for you guys. Um, about 100 Latinos were killed by police in 2016. One in particular, his name was Pedro Villanueva. He was 19 years old, and he was shot and killed by Your stand here in the United States hasn't, you're still low class and not cared about. 
earned your right to be able to fight against it, which is complete BS. Um, <clears throat> this is Tenos number two. I'm not disagreeing with Tenos number four, 100%. But I think as far as the media goes, it's all about ratings, so it's whatever's popular. Um, there's been so much news that has not been reported on the news because the ratings. So I don't really know if it's not that it's not worthy of being on the news, but I don't. I think it's more so a matter of can this get us ratings, and, and that's the bottom line. Alright, number one. Um, adding on to that, um, I'm actually a panelist number one here. Um, I'm actually going to add on to that, though. The thing is, like, whenever you think of police brutality, um, you know, it's always natural for us to speculate that it's the, you know, the victims of the, you know, these random citizens that are just, like, you know, we always, vic like, villainize these policemen. But I want to add on to a different case in, in terms of police brutality. Um, it was actually about, oh, my God, I can't remember the name, but it was actually this Asian cop that actually shot a civilian. And for what it was, I felt like a lot of cases, the media projects the police as, you know, the villains. And in this case, the way that they penalized this one Asian cop, he actually served jail for his mistake. And the thing is, the whole story was he was a rookie, he was on the ship with another rookie. And I guess in the heat of the moment, he accidentally shot. He shot another civilian, not really pulling a, a you know, assessing all the issues. And the thing is about this police brutality, like, do you think it's just a flawed system? Because it's it feels like we're saying only one race is being highlighted, though. But I feel like the bigger issue is why isn't, like, the issue of, like, a flawed police, like, you know, teachings or flawed, you know, like, ethics, like, being highlighted as well, too. Because the thing is with this one issue, you would think the way that, like, these cops are always, like, you know, brought up. They always have each other's back, but why did not, you know, why in this case? Why was it so quick that, like, in this brutality case, they were so quick to just throw someone under a bus? So I'm not saying that, you know, it's the media is choosing to highlight this black assaults as a mainstream thing, but I feel like the media itself is choosing to highlight really odd cases that are, like, when it comes to other minorities except for black, it's very inconsistent, you know what I mean? Like, I don't hear too much about Asian people being brutalized, but, um, yeah, I'm just going to end it as that.
always about what's not only yourself, but for what drives the conversation, and that's what drives the conversation. Okay, that's interesting. No, I think so I want to get into the next um, question that I have for you guys. So the next question is, do you feel focusing on race weakens the accountability of cops? And I say that because I feel that
what Ken was going to say still. So as far as the uh, comment made by the piloting helicopter, you really can't tell every person who makes a comment what to say. His comment was based on his own opinion. So the media's job, it depends on what media source, but the media's job is to be as objectionable, objectionable as possible and then let the audience members, after receiving the message, make a determination. Um, so I don't think the media, I think regardless if they include race or not, again, they're supposed to be, the media is supposed to be biased. And then we as the viewers make the decision, make the determination. And because of the history of, um, of race in America, we associate certain people of different races with different stereotypes. And so people's own biases come into play when they take the message from the media. And then as far as civil rights complaints um, being filed, the majority, well, I don't know the statistics, but number six said 96% uh, was dismissed. But you always have to look at whether a complaint is like legally sufficient in order for it to, to move to that next phase of you know, um, taking it to trial or, or whatever the process might be. And so, I mean, it's a process. Some of these claims that are filed, you know, might be filed untimely. Some of these claims might not be, might, might not, you know, be legally sufficient. Who knows? So just to say, oh, 96% was dismissed, you got to look at as to why the, the specific complaint was dismissed. said the media is unbiased, but I said it also depends on the source, because you have some sources that want to promote a, a specific viewpoint, but the media job is to be as objectionable as possible, and then let the, let the uh, viewer determine, you know, how they want to perceive the message. So how would you... If I can just comment yeah, briefly. Uh, so specifically, I even because you're 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 giving me a general example, but you can, if you can give me one um, person who has been in that situation where they used a mugshot, let me know. Because I do remember when Mike Brown was killed, they used his graduation picture, right? And you had other pictures of other people of color who have. Uh, you know, been victimized, uh, brutalized, and become a victim of police brutality. They're, they're not using, you know, a mugshot photo, right? Even I remember when Trayvon Martin was, the whole Trayvon Martin issue happened, and they used George Zimmerman. They didn't use his best picture. I do remember that. Um, so, like I said, it depends on the source. Minority, they speak about the idea 
presence of the crowd and what they have to go through. Whereas when it is a white person, they think about their ambitions or what, what they've accomplished in the past. So for example, even with the recent rape cases that have come up, a lot of the white individuals, I just read, read a story where a guy videotaped himself raping a two-year-old and sent it to his friend. The guy, when the police did their investigation, they found out that the guy had also plans to go and rape another four-year-old in another state. The guy got off with no jail time. He just had to register to register as a, as a sex offender, right? But when the same issue happened with a minority and the, the victim wasn't even a child, the minority got 19 years. And the narrative was that the, guy, the white person's future would be ruined if he was allowed to go to jail. And it has happened with about three or four different rape cases where all the white people got lenient sentences and there's been two rape instances where minorities have gotten harsher sentences because of the narratives that they think. So what's your take on that? Okay, so you, you can I comment? Yeah. This is number two. Okay, so you're, now, you're, you're, now you're talking about two different issues, okay? The first one was about the background of the person that was victimized, okay? And, again, it's, it's not all a one thing. Oh, this person was victimized. Let's pull out all the negative things about them. Because that's not, that's not 100% true. Um, I didn't say I, it was 100%. Well, it happens, but it's not like, oh, I, I, let me make sure I promote this person's uh, rap sheet or criminal history while we're telling this story. So you have the, um, I forgot his name, but it was the, the counselor who had his hands up. He was on the ground, right? So they promoted the fact that he was a counselor. They promoted the fact that he was helping people with mental illnesses. Um, I remember his supervisor came on the news and talked about all his accomplishments, okay? Um, then also when you have, like, I, for, I, I don't know all the, all everybody's names, but the killer in South Carolina, um, with, uh, he killed people in the black church. Now, they talked about his background, too, and it was not positive. Um, the killer who shot up the movie theater, I want to say in Colorado, again, you have all these mass killings, and they're talking about how mentally disturbed they are. So it's not, it's not a matter of, oh, he's black, he's victimized, let me make sure I promote all you know, the, the, you know, the crimes that he committed. Um, it's, not, it's not like that. And then the other topic you mentioned was about sentencing. A white person gets a lesser sentence uh, compared to a black person who has done the same crime. Now, I see that. It, I mean, this does exist, um, but that's on that's on the legis that's on the judicial system. That's not on the media. Like, it's the judge who imposes the sentence. It's not it's not the news who's like, oh, make sure you give him uh, uh, ten extra years just because you know what he. I don't know because. He's wearing saggy pants, and we're, we're promoting this image of him. Make sure you give him a sentence that correlates with this image. No, it's not like that. The judge analyzes the case, and the judge makes a determination on what sentence to impose on that person. I don't know how they make that determination, but it's up to them. It's their choice. It's not on the media. You can't blame it on the media. that is not, I guess, civilized or just uncouth. And if, if that's all you see in the media, then it's safe to say that your perception can be skewed by that. If every time you turn on the television and you see um, people with Latin and Hispanic descent, they're not legalized, 
that's going to be your perception of them. These perceptions are not true for many of you people, but that's all that if that's all that's being put in your face, you're going to have these ideas of of these groups that might not actually be accurate. Look at the journey from Trayvon Martin case. He was when his friend was to speak for him on trial, the jury didn't even give her a time of day. They said, I didn't even understand what she was saying or look at how she was dressing. But you guys already have those internalized feelings. As jurors, you're supposed to come in there unbiased and analyze the facts. Granted, it's the judges, at the, it's the judge at the end of the day that'll deliver that sentence and whatever. But you have these jury members that already come in biased. You don't know what kind of images and ideas of these groups that they already have of people when they come in to analyze this case against them. As in their head, George Zimmerman was already innocent before they even analyzed anything, even though the facts were right there. But in that case, they already painted a picture of Trayvon being guilty by talking about um, the robberies that were already occurring right. in that neighborhood. So they already put that in the case before they even had a It's a it's an issue of uh, image. I think it's an issue of simplicity. I think people just want to believe the simpler story. Everybody's lives are so complicated, and there's so much information being thrown at us, whether it's direct information from what we're watching or indirect from all of the advertisements we see. That it's too complicated to think about our police system, our justice system, being corrupt. It's too complicated to think about, oh, if one black guy is innocent or if another black guy is guilty, it's too difficult and it's too complex to think about these cops knowing how to police through uh, community building and these cops who know how to police through enforcement. It's too difficult, which is why when police are trained, they're trained to profile. They're trained to say if this is a black guy or an Asian guy because when they're chasing someone, that's what they're going to filter by physical color. That's why they train that, because it's easier to chase someone down. It's too difficult to be like, oh, it's, I think, a Puerto Rican or a Dominican guy. I'm not really sure, but he's definitely not Mexican. That takes too long. So I think that as, a, as an audience, as if, if society is an audience, it's easier for us to think black lives matter, or it's easier for, for us to think cops are wrong. But once it gets into the details, once we have to look into the minutia of every single case, nobody wants, nobody cares, because it's too much information for us to process while we're still trying to feed our kids, take care of our family, uh, get our education. It's just, it's a lot going on and let's face it, everybody wants a break. That's why people buy into the Kardashians and everybody else because that's a break from having to think too hard. And I think that's the problem is that we can't, 
process all the time. It's just a lot. But if there's a video footage of a cop planting a gun on the scene and they're still blaming the victim on something, that's a problem. You're choosing to dismiss what you're seeing right in front of you. Right. So that, what do you call that? That's, it's, that's it's the problem. I think people are tired. They just it's it's that des it's that desensitization to right. to what's going on. It's like you know what if everybody's getting shot and nothing is changing in the time that I want things to change, I'm just gonna go turn and switch the channel to something that I can actually uh, take care of or actually fathom. Where I'll instead of um, watching uh, Zimmerman get away with murder, I'm gonna watch How to Get Away with Murder because they'll give me a plot. They'll give me a fill-in, they'll give me the breakdown, they'll conclude it, and they'll do it in a perfectly good hour, and I can go to sleep. But a case on a cop killing someone, that's going to take months, and I'm going to have to look at NPR, I'm going to have to look at CNN, I'm going to have to cross-reference these facts that I see with somebody else. Why do you think people love fact-checkers for elections? Because we won't do it ourselves. It takes too long. That's why people like these movies and how to get away with murder and all these other dramas because they'll do it in an hour. And it's so nice. Because then I can switch to another show that'll handle it in an hour. A two-hour special is great because I can break in the middle, but there's no break for Philando Castillo. He's dead. There's nobody that's going to tell me the smoking gun was there all of a sudden. They're not going to tell me that in 30 minutes. They're going to tell me that maybe in six months. But I don't care by then because the binge-watching on Black Lives Matter is over. I want to watch another something Lives Matter. short basically it was just um the concept of like the media portrayal of comedians as well too i just feel like no matter what the like for one specific incident i feel like everyone around the room we're going to go to the source that's the most convenient to us and sometimes that will always already paint a skewed picture of actually what the actual picture is like let's be honest like sometimes i've seen weird news on snapchat news and i know that's not credible for anything but that, that's really, you know, that source that I picked it from is going to be a different source than actually people who do seek out the truth, who will look into more than one. So I feel like going back on race matters, uh, skewed images, it's also on, you know, fact of what's convenient for people at that moment and what they choose to believe and what's the quickest. Also piggybacking on your comment as well, too. Thank you for tuning into the first half of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this powerful discussion with our panelists. Stay tuned for even more enlightening conversation in the second half and keep sipping, listeners. Keep sipping. All we want to do is take the chains off. All we want to do is break the chains off. All we want to do is be free.